And I want to share with you something before we launch into 1 Samuel. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 8 today of 1 Samuel. Uh, But a lot of things happen uh, around church, uh, around here, uh, not in the building, but in our community of faith, in in our the people of God around here called First Baptist, uh, that most of us don't even know about. Like, Like, Things happen and we just keep on going. And every now and then we want to remind you uh, of the things that that God is doing and at work uh, in our community of faith. And uh, the last few weeks, uh, we've had a a gentleman in the church who's had some tremendous health issues. And he's actually uh, going to have to have, he's already had one, uh, both feet operated on. And so he'll be out of commission basically for over a year where he won't be able to, to walk normally. And, and so he alerted uh, his Sunday school class of this, uh, who his Sunday school teacher happens to be a deacon. And so that deacon uh, alerted some other deacons and said, hey, we've got to get uh, Ken a ramp so that when he has his surgery, he can get into his house. And so these other deacons uh, gathered together and they built a 20-foot wheelchair ramp, which is no easy task, by the way. And so you're going to see it here. Um, and, and what's not in the photo uh, is another ramp they built uh, at the uh, front door so he could get in there. But uh, because uh, of your generosity through one of our offerings, uh, you were a part of building this. Because if you give to our offerings, uh, you helped uh, build that. And there's two of our deacons. That's Ken there uh, before his surgery. I have another photo after his uh, surgery at the top of the ramp in his wheelchair. Like, yes, to God be the glory uh, that uh, this is done. And so just a, a reminder all the time that uh, we uh, are called to minister to one another, encourage one another care for one another uh, as uh, we are sharing the gospel and going out into the world as well. And so uh, just a great thing. Well, today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the king, and that's kind of the, the big thing, why our, our graphic has that crown on it, because First Samuel is, is really a lot about kingship and, and who should be the king, who should, should lead us. Well, uh, Family Feud, that great TV show, uh, many of you know Steve Harvey, uh, the guy who uh, does, he, he's a funny guy, uh, funny guy, and uh, he leads Family Feud these days. Well, uh, a few years ago, uh, one of the survey questions uh, was this, who is the king? Survey says, 81 people gave what answer, do you think? Elvis, exactly right. Elvis uh, is the king. 81 people said Elvis is the king. Number one answer, survey says, seven out of 100, seven said Jesus or God. Hey, David was a great answer. Whoever, uh, young man who yelled that, good answer. Uh, That should have been also on there, but it wasn't. Uh, Three people said Martin Luther King Jr., and two people said Burger King. (laughs) Smart people. That's what today is about. Who is the king? Who who is the king who should be the king for the nation of Israel and who should be our king? Who who should be the one who is the Lord of our life, uh, the one who directs our steps, the one who we look to 
for our decisions, for our desires, our wants, our needs. Well, let me, before we dive into chapter 8, uh, let me give you a recap of what's happened uh, since we were together last week. I encouraged you to read uh, chapters 6 and 7 if you want to find out what happens when you take holy things and you put them with unholy people. Bad things happen. So the Philistines defeated the Israelites. They've got the Ark of the Covenant. And everywhere the Ark of the Covenant goes with the Philistines, death and destruction happen. Mayhem is around the corner, and Allstate wasn't there to protect them. And, and so they, they bring it every city it goes to. There's plagues and terrible things, uh, so much so that they give it back to Israel. And not just give it back, it's, it's like they stood at a distance and they shoved it really hard, hoping that it would make it to the Israelite town. That's kind of the image that the scripture gives us, that, that they didn't want anything to do with it. Just don't take holy things lightly, because that's what the Philistines had done. And so they give it back to the Israelites after God had judged them and so Israel, they receive it back. They actually turn to the Lord. They, they return to God and, and begin to, to pray. But the Philistines are still their enemy, and they want to defeat the Philistines. And so Samuel calls the people to a time of prayer and fasting. He himself makes an offering to the Lord, pleading for God to give Israel victory over their enemies. And what do you know It happens? And so we sing a song around here that has the word Ebenezer in it. And you may wonder, like, what, what is that? Well, if you ever want to know, 1 Samuel chapter 7 is where that comes from. I raise an Ebenezer. Because Samuel, after that prayer time, he raised an Ebenezer, this, this monument, this, this remembrance, this place that he called Ebenezer. Ebenezer, God hears our prayers. God helps us. That's what an Ebenezer is, a, a place to remember the power and the might and the redemption of God that you and I need to never forget. We, we don't raise Ebenezers today, but we can remember the, the power of God working in our lives and think back on that and use that to carry our faith forward as we go into new territory. And, and so here we are, the nation of Israel has returned to the Lord They've gotten victory, and now things are a little different. We're in the year 1050, 1051 B.C. We know that because of history. And all the other nations around Israel, they all have kings, they all have leaders, and guess what? Israel wants a king. They want to change. Samuel is an old guy. His sons are wicked. That seems to be a pattern these days in the nation of Israel where the priest's sons aren't the greatest. And the people want change. Do you ever want change? Not for a 10, but in life. Well, they wanted change. They wanted a king. And here's the problem. Uh, getting what you want is not always the best thing. Be careful what you ask for because you might get it. There's a great American political writer named uh, Irving Kristol, and he said this uh, about sort of being disgruntled and dissatisfied and, and really 
wanting a, a different scenery. He said, being frustrated is disagreeable, but the real disasters of life begin when you get what you want. When you get what you want. We need to get what we need. And, and the nation of Israel needed a leader, but not a human leader because they already had their leader, the king of kings, the creator of the universe. And so let's look in 1 Samuel to see what happens when people ask for something they don't need. When Samuel became old, is verse 1, when Samuel became old, he's made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old. It's tough being reminded all the time how old you are. Like, poor Samuel. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. They wanted to be like everyone else. When God said they were different. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected Oh, well, I lost my place. Rejected me from being king over them, according to all the deeds that they have done. From the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Now, Israel, on the one hand, I can get it. Samuel is an old guy, past his prime perhaps, doesn't get around like he used to, can't minister to the people in the same way. And so they, they don't need Samuel leading them into the future. His sons are terrible, wicked guys. They don't want them either. They, they, they got a little money in their pocket from what you can tell here, and then all they wanted was more money in their pocket. And so they took bribes and perverted the justice of God. And so I can get on the one hand the nation of Israel saying, look, these, these are not the type of people that we need or want. And, and so let's look around and see what we want. And so they look to other nations say, oh, look what they have. We want what they have, which is the problem all of us have. It's what we invented the phrase keeping up with the Joneses because we want what the Joneses have. They got a better car. They got a nicer house. They got a cool gadget. We want what they have. And so they looked around and said, that's what we want. And, and as a little side note here, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Eli and his sons were judged for their, for Eli's sons for their wickedness and Eli judged for his inability to control his sons. But here, Samuel's, Samuel is not judged, and neither are his sons. And, and, and that kind of 
didn't sit right with me. Like, why on the one hand did, did God judge Eli and his sons for their sin, but not Samuel and his sons? Well, I don't know that I've come to a real answer uh, on this, but, but as I look at this passage, that there's a key phrase here, phrase here where it says that the sons did not walk in his ways after they experienced a gain. So the way I would interpret that is Samuel was faithful in his parenting, but at some point the sons made decisions on their own as adults. They were against the will of God. And God wasn't going to judge Samuel for his adult son's poor decision making. So just a little reminder to all of you that have kids as a parent, be faithful in your parenting. You're not going to be perfect your kids aren't going to be perfect, but be faithful in your parenting, and God will honor you. And, and so here we are in this situation where the nation is, is not quite sure that anybody that is before them is the right person. And so they look everywhere else, and they say, we want what they have. Now, Samuel takes that personally like most of us would. Because Samuel was the judge over them at that point. And so what they basically said to Samuel was, we don't want you anymore. Oh, okay, well, I feel great about myself now. Like self-esteem moment. And so Samuel goes off, and here's a great lesson for all of us. Samuel didn't defend himself. He didn't tell the Israelites how foolish they were for wanting a king and rejecting his leadership. He didn't say anything about his sons. He didn't defend. No, what did he do? He went and he prayed. After the Israelites said, we want a king, he went to the Lord. And so if you're facing those moments where someone is against you, someone is, is wanting to go a different direction, someone doesn't want to listen to you, sometimes the best thing you can do is go pray. And so Samuel goes and prays, and the Lord encourages him. He says, Samuel, this isn't about you. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And verse 8, if you look back, it is in one phrase, the forever issue in the Scripture. According to all the deeds they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, oh, by the way, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. God is telling Samuel, hey, you've only been dealing with this for a few years. I've endured the rejection of the people for centuries. For centuries. It's the human condition that we would reject the one who gives us life and eternity all the time. And thankfully, we serve a God of grace and forgiveness because throughout the centuries, he has extended that grace and redemption, even to this day through his son, Jesus Christ. That he's a God of redemption even when we reject him. His love shines through to us. And so he tells Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Obey their voice. Do what they want. Have them, give them their king. But tell them, before you do that, tell them the joys of what a king will be. 
because they don't know what they're asking for. This is a, a life lesson for all of us because they're not gonna like what they get. Because here's what Samuel tells them. He says, you're gonna get a king, God's gonna give you a king, but you're gonna regret your decision. You ever regretted a decision? Mm. If it's only one, come talk to me. Because I need what you're, you're drinking. He says, your, your king is going to be a, a demanding dictator. He's going to take your sons into military service. He's going to take your kids to war. He's going to take your livestock. He's going to take your property and use it for his own. And then he's going to tax you, which everyone loves. Everyone loves it. Tate's working on a project right now in, in history. All the... the the acts of the 1760s that the British tried to impose on Americans, all it did was raise taxes because we all love taxes so much. What do you know? A revolutionary war started because of it. We don't like taxes. That's what he's going to do to you. And by the time you realize all of this is happening to you, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. You, you won't be able to do anything about it. You'll want deliverance. You'll want change. You'll want to go back to the old way. You'll even cry out to God. Look, look what Samuel says in verse 18. He says, In that day you will cry out because of your king. Hmm. You'll cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Now, if you ever wonder if, if God hears you, God always hears you. God, God will hear the prayers of the nation of Israel, but he will not answer their prayer because their prayer will be, please, Lord, give us the old way. He will hear them, but he will not answer them in the way they want. Because I gave you what you asked for. So just a life lesson for all of us. Complaining about getting what you want will always fall on deaf ears. Complaining about getting what you want will fall on deaf ears. Students, children, that's true for you. Moms and dads, it's true for us too. Because when we're kids, we do this a lot. When we're adults, I think we do it more. We just hide it better. But that's the truth. And that's what God is trying to teach the nation of Israel, that, that I've given you my kingship, my leadership. I, I'm the one to follow. You are my people. And you want to be like everyone else. So when that day comes, I will hear you, but I will not answer. But the nation of Israel didn't care. They didn't want to listen to Samuel. Because in verse 19, 
But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, even after he told them, that's verses 10 through 18, all the terrible things this king is going to do, they didn't want to hear it. They refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, no. Can you imagine an entire nation yelling the word no? I don't know if that's the way it happened. But, but, but imagine a football stadium full of people yelling no, how loud that would be. That, that's the image I get here, that in one accord, the, the, the nation was so determined to get what they wanted, they said no. Have you ever dug your heels in so much and stomped your foot and just crossed your arms or whatever body language you use to show defiance? That's what's happening here. Like God is speaking to them directly and they're like, nope, we don't want any part of it. Give us what we want. No, there shall be a king over us that we may also be like all the nations. There's their mistake and it's our mistake too because they were God's chosen people set apart We are God's chosen people, a holy priesthood, thanks to the work of Jesus Christ. We are set apart to be different, not like everyone else. Different, but they wanted to be like everyone else. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Your king is not going to fight your battles, your sons will. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them, in the ears of the Lord like God didn't already know. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Ever wanted something so bad that it didn't matter what anyone told you, what anyone said, you weren't gonna listen. You were so resolute in what you wanted And then once you got it, it was a disaster. That's what Samuel is trying to prevent from happening here. And we look back at the nation of Israel and we think, gosh, these guys are just not smart. Like God just rescued them from the Philistines. God over and over and over again rescues them. And every time they turn away and disaster follows, they come back and God redeems them. And we think they need to be a little smarter. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what are we called? What what are people who follow Jesus called in the New Testament? There's an animal that we're compared to. What is that animal? Sheep. That's what we're called, sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. They are dumb. Because they'll follow anything. The nation of Israel wanted to follow anyone. And God is not yelling. He's not pressuring them. Just like Jesus for us as he speaks to us. He's our good shepherd calling us to obey his voice. He's standing at the door calling. 
And if we are his sheep, then we hear his voice and we'd want to follow him. But there are times when there's lots of other white noise around. And we're like the Israelites who say, oh no, this has got to be better. And we go to what we think is better and we miss out on the best. We miss out on Jesus being way better. We sang about it this morning. And that's what's happening when you and I look to be like everyone else. When we just want to blend in. When we want what we want and it doesn't matter the consequence. And God is willing to let you have it. That's the grace of God. That he doesn't demand you obey him. They want what they want. Because we all want things. And sometimes we don't even know we want it. I don't know how many of you like cookies. Probably most of you. Uh, I, I like cookies. I don't get to eat them very much. You might not believe that, but... I don't, those of you that know our household environment, but, but cookies are good, and, and chocolate chip cookies are, are really good, and, and, and yeah, there's some right there. I know those cookies. I think I may have had one of those cookies, but, but what do you want? And, and sometimes you don't even know what you want. Well, there was a study done a few years ago, about 10 years ago, there was a study done about want, and, and what the researchers did is they pulled all these people into a room and they had them uh, sit down to take a survey. Well, the survey was only like the, the pretend part of the survey. The real survey was about what, what was going to happen next. So while the surveyors are taking their surveys, there was a giant jar of cookies on the counter. And one of the researchers said, uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, if at any point during your survey you'd like a cookie, please come grab one. Well, about 20% of the people came and grabbed a cookie. A few days later, it was sort of stage two of the research project, and so everybody came back. They were filling out another set of survey. That day, the researchers put fewer cookies in the cookie jar. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if anyone would like a cookie, please come forward and get a cookie. Same thing, 20% got a cookie. Two days later, they brought everybody back for the third stage of the research project. That day, it was a big cookie jar with a lid on it. Everyone's taking their, their survey. A man walks from the back door down uh, the auditorium, takes the lid off of the cookie jar, grabs a cookie, puts the lid back on, and walks out. A few minutes later, researcher says, if anyone would like a cookie, please come and grab a cookie. Everyone in the room got a cookie. Everyone. Like, okay, pastor, what does that have to do with anything? What's amazing how want works. Because I may want a chocolate chip cookie when you might want a chocolate chip cookie. If we all might want a chocolate chip cookie, I may or may not get one. But if you have a chocolate chip cookie, and it's in your possession, what do I want? I want a chocolate chip cookie. What you have matters to me. It doesn't matter as much as if you might have it. 
But if you do have it, I want it. That's our nature. And that's what the nation of Israel missed, is that they already had all they needed in God as their judge, as their king, as their Lord, as their father. But they look to these other nations and say, we want what you have. You have it. That's what we want because we want to be like you. So my question this morning is what is it that you really want? What is it that you want? No one can answer that question for you. Do you want a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you want a life filled with joy? Do you want to make an eternal impact in somebody's life? Or do you simply want to be comfortable? Do you simply want to be made to feel good about yourself? Do you want to be secure? Do you want to feel needed all the time? My hope and my prayer is that your request to God would be filled with what he wants for you. That you would ask him to lead you. That Jesus as the good shepherd would lead you and you would listen to his voice. And along the way, as you pray, as you communicate with him, that he would give you some of the dreams of your heart. That he would do that. Because those dreams would be aligned with him. And that would be a day when we get to experience the beauty and the majesty and the love that our king has for us. Will you pray with me?